what's going on, Tams? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. We just finished celebrating our 100th episode, and I'd like to thank those who watched the YouTube video. It was a lot of work, but I figured I gotta go hard since it's a milestone episode. And by the way, I got plans cooking up in the future regarding videos, so please don't forget to subscribe on my YouTube channel. That really helps a lot. I would like to have more listeners or viewers over there, so please support. And of course, thank you for the ones that downloaded and listened. I appreciate you all. Let's keep going to the next 100 episodes and more. Speaking of going, please keep giving An Immigrant's Life a 5-star on Spotify. And please continue giving a positive review on Apple Podcasts. The number's going up slowly and ever surely, but I'd like to have it go a little bit faster. You know what I mean? So thank you for the ones that I have given us five star and reviews. And for the ones that haven't, please go on ahead because it really, really does help a lot. And if you are on Instagram and Facebook, why don't you also give us a follow? Our handle is at an immigrant's life. You get to see pictures of our guests, audiograms of the episodes. Um, Also, I've started using IG Reels to share my life to all my followers. So please check it out. I got some positive review about that. People saying that it's nice to see that I'm sharing my private life. Again, like I always say, I'm a private person. So I try not to like share too much. You know what I mean? However, if you want to reach out, ask me some stuff, you can always email me and send me a message on those handles. Now, let's talk about the episode. I really admire our guest this week because... After losing his cousin from a drug overdose, instead of wallowing in grief, he decided to use that horrible experience and create something beautiful and powerful. He didn't wait for a hero to save him. He made himself his own hero. Guys, this one's a heavy hitter. So let's not waste more time. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa Dalawa Tatlo. Today's guest is a rapper and a comic book creator. He drops bars like Nasir and as creative as Will Sportacio. Everyone, please welcome Mark Teodosio. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Peace, brother. What's going on, man? Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you for bringing me on. For sure, man. Before we go on, please tell the Immigrant Nation how they can reach you or if you want to promote anything. Uh, you can reach me. Instagram is the best way to uh, catch all the visuals. At the city needs you. The city needs you all spelled out the way it sounds. Uh, that's the publishing. I'm the writer and creator of the Realist Bayani comic book. You can follow me at bayani.nyc. I'm that Filipino New Yorker. Peace, brothers, sisters. What's good, tribe? <laughs> I love it, man. You're cool, man. I love your music. I love that what you're trying to do for the culture. I really do appreciate. It. We do appreciate it. I know the Filipino community has definitely um, reciprocated the love I showed in learning about my own culture, hmm. and just tapping in as a Filipino American in New York. You know, we only get like a paragraph in history in World War II. You know, exactly. You know, they they say that the um, Poland got leveled in World War II. Manila was leveled. Right. Right. Ain't nobody know about that. Hard body, yeah. They were infiltrated, actually. Mm. You know, um, and, and it's just it's just the history of the Philippines. Mm. You know, we kn- we know that through you know the interactions between the tribes outside of Lapu Lapu with the Raja Humabon, mm-hmm. um, Filipinos selling out the country, right? Mm, but it all comes with government and rulership. Power corrupts all. Exactly. Exactly. Before we talk about your Bayani, your realist Bayani and whatever else, how about let's give the listeners some background on you. Born and raised in Brooklyn, but ethnically Filipino. Yeah. Who was the Moses of the family? Who cut that Red Sea and crossed that line? 
Uh, Estela Galas, Estelita Galas, rest in peace. That's mm, the Lola. She came through, cut the, cut through the Red Sea. You know what I mean, and showed up on the on, in Brooklyn, New York, um, which was amazing. You know, and you know, channeling through her life through different places. You know, moving, marrying. Uh, so she's the matriarch. You know, of the Teodosios. My father is uh, her youngest son. So yeah. What year was it when she moved? Oh, I can't. I can't even go back down the, that far in the family tree. But um, yeah, my father came in like the eighties, or or the seventies. I'm sorry. Yeah, he came through like the Filipino Travolta, like Saturday Night Filipino Fever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was big back then, man. With the like the bell bottoms. Yeah, yeah, he had that. But he, it's crazy because like I saw old school pictures of him, mm, and he yeah. had like uh, a friend of mine spotted a Gucci belt on him. He, he would have like, and I kind of had the same style because I have eczema. So sometimes I have to cover it with like long sleeves, button ups, like in the summertime with shorts. Mm -hmm. So I look like I'm always on a cruise or some shit. <laughs> so I stole his style a little bit. Hey, man, you didn't have to steal it, man. It's in you. Yeah, facts. You're right. Fresh off the boat vibes. You know what I mean? So I mentioned you're from Brooklyn. Take us back to Brooklyn during those early days. Wow, Brooklyn, man, New York City, the best energy to be born in as, you know, a first-gen American, you know, from any culture. You could be Puerto Rican, you know, Jamaican, Dominican, Mexican, but being Filipino, being born in New York, rarity of the minorities, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, we People thought I was Chinese, you know, and, and it was just like, then they're like, yo, Chino, I'm like, yo. Man, like I used to get mad, like yo, bro, Filipino. So then they just ended up combining Filipino Chino into FC. Then it became mm. like at some point, like I was eating all the fat on the lechon, so mm. I got fat. Like I was getting mad chubby, so they called me Fat Chino FC <laughs> at that point. And that was like Brooklyn. That was just like it was fun days. You had to be, you had to be really witty too. If you were to chill on the stoops in mm. New York, like you had to be able to snap back on the stoops, otherwise. You got people triple teaming you, like from other cultures, already teaming up on the Asian. Mm -hmm. So, and being raised out there, you know, like I said, like being one of the rare minorities, like you could get bullied growing up. You have to fight. It was a fun time, man. It was the best time to be molded as a Filipino um, first generation. Mm -hmm. You got into a fight? Yeah, we definitely had to fight. My pops put me in ninjutsu after that. <laughs> <laughs> he put me in the jitsu school, so I was like, -da, -da, -da. and it worked. Nah, but um, yeah, yeah, because my freshman year in college, I got into a fight. Right, it was after a rap battle, so mm. I'm battling some Spanish kid, whatever the case is, and somebody from the crowd threw a pen at me on, like, at my head, and I was like, yo, what the fuck? So I was looked at who it was. I saw him, and then I, you know, after the battle, you know, decision was made. I went into the crowd. Um, I lost the battle, by the way. I was a freshman. You know, he was part of a Spanish fraternity, the kid mm. I was battling. Mm. So I walked up to the dude. I was like, yo, what's up with that? He was like, yo. He grabbed my hands, and then I just lapu-lapu'd him. Boom! <laughs> One hit a quitter. He went into the crowd like this. Boom! And I was like, yo, that ninjutsu training. Got them fucking Pacquiao overhand right, you know what I mean? It's like some type of payoff, you know, for all those dojo. Mm -hmm. What do you think about bullying? Like, do you think, of course, it's not good in a way, but sometimes it makes you resilient. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot, and it sucks when people don't have the same uh, kind of temperament, like where they can take it or flip it, you know, or, you know, it, it, it's just a natural part of growing up, too. I remember being part of the bullies at some point. Mm. You know, for other kids that we didn't know probably had autism or other things that we just weren't aware of, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, so, and you feel bad later when you grow up, right? They add you on Facebook. You're like, oh, shit, I used to make fun of this guy all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like you didn't even know, like, dude was, like, autistic or something like that. You yeah. Know? I get you. I get you. Well, what I did was when, you know, as you said, as you get older, you get matured. Uh, when I remember people that, you know, I used to bully too, I just send them a uh, an email 
and saying like, hey, dude, I'm really sorry. I was an asshole. I was young. I was dumb. I was trying to, you know, I was, I was in a group that, you know, like trying to be like cool and whatnot. So you kind of do it. Plus, kids are kids. Kids are dumb. Yeah. You see it too when your kids go through it, I guess, you know? Yeah. Or, or you see some younger sibling, uh, younger family member getting bullied. I know. Like, yeah, I went through it too, bro. Sometimes you just got to fight, bro. You got to fight. That's, that's what I tell my kids, man. Never throw the first punch, but always, always make sure when you throw the punch, you make sure it counts. <laughs> my dad told me that after he knocked some kid out in class. But, you know, like, it, it's hard, you know, like, I was very tiny, very skinny, very small kid growing up. But, man, I got, I got fire. You cannot bully me. I will fight back. You will beat <laughs> me up. Guarantee you'll beat me up. But I promise you, I'm taking something from you. Could be a piece of I, your ear, whatever it is. A I'm piece taking of your it. ear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, now it's hard because you know it's hard because you know, growing up in the Philippines, it's like you gotta fight. You know, and here it's like they like, hey, no bullying, no physical. Yo, my kids are getting physical. They're getting you know whatever, and what they they're not allowed to re retaliate. And then when they retaliate, they're the bad guys. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, we just be like that as parents, like I know I'm gonna have to come to a meeting or something for my son in the future and just be like, you know, both you kids are really dumb, man. You should just be cool and try to get girls. Why are you fighting each other? <laughs> yeah. I always tell my I I tell my kids, I said, Hey, if you start the fight, you know, I'll get mad at you. But if they start the fight and you make your punch count, go get it. <laughs> It sounds like Pacquiao training his kids. It's so funny about Pacquiao, right? Because, you know, obviously he's like national hero now and everything. When he was coming up, when he was just 18 years old, I remember watching him. I remember watching him. They used to have this show around like, I think like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. We were, we were in elementary then. And we used to watch him and a cousin of mine said, hey, you should wait for this guy. His name is Pacquiao. And he, this guy's a lefty and he packed a punch. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever, you know. And back then there was no, you know, recording. You got to wait and hopefully that he fights. That night he fought and he knocked the kid out. I'm like, this guy is amazing. And from then on, I was like, I watch him from that guy, that kid, to like a superstar. And now it's nice to see him, you know, like be superstar and whatnot. Except for running for president, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. More. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, why do you think Filipinos love hip-hop? Uh, because it's an alienated culture. Um, and it also comes from the struggle. So any any immigrant who's trying to learn English, that's probably the best way they learned English was hip-hop. They learned, like, they learned all types of literary, like, uh, tools. Alliteration, you know, rhyme. Uh, sentences, they learn New York slang, you know, West Coast slang, you know, uh, and it's it's cool, you know, it's being from the, it's being the underdogs with the coolness though. Exactly. I get it, man. Like, hey, man, I like it. My kids are into hip hop and, you know, but now the, the, the new hip hop is like more like the mumble rap, you know, which some of them I, I appreciate and listen to, but I try to teach them that also they're like hey this guy is rapping this way and talking about these things because of this guy you know i try to educate them i think visuals appeal to them more than us trying to teach them like lyrics that mean something like because me being a hip-hop artist i feel like even talking to that generation it's like talking to the kids you know like um and and not even that it's a bad thing that they lead the culture and they because i the, the hip-hop i grew up with was just as violent just as you know drug promoting you know uh marketing you know styles for the culture mm -hmm. but it's it's pretty much the same wave but we it's i think it's cool when you teach them the history of it yeah um, and i never forces them to i don't have like hey you gotta listen to to pack or listen to biggie or whatever no i like i usually wait for them to listen to something and then and then i'll come in like like recently, my eldest, he got into Eminem. I don't know how. I think it's TikTok or Instagram or whatever. That's when I said, hey, why are you listening to Eminem? 
And like, oh, because of this. And then I said, okay, well, he's cool. These are his, his old songs and why he's cool. And, you know, there's a guy that produced him, Dr. Dre. And through that, I kind of like help him yeah. learn the history, you know? Right, right. And that, that introduces them to other things too, like um, what are, uh, like the visuals to it. Like the visuals work the most. Eight miles, showing eight miles to a kid, like they'll they will feel mad inspired. It's like us watching Beach Street, you know? Or Rocky. <laughs> or Rocky, you know, like stuff for that generation. And they made Creed for this generation, right? Exactly, man. Definitely, definitely. When did you start rapping? When did you realize, like, you know what? I can rhyme. Uh, more like when I was in college, because like it's one thing to write, but to really perform is the true, like like it's almost like martial artists just training in the dojo. Mm. Like you never know your skill level until you go to tournaments and meet other students from other schools and compete. You know, uh, even with sports, same thing for hip hop. Like anybody can write a rhyme, but can you really rock a crowd? Like that's the true essence of an MC, master of ceremony. Can you rock the crowd? How long can you rock them for? Like, you mm. know, uh, and and like how much do they, how long can you stay in the game? You know? Mm. So who pushed you or what pushed you to get on that stage that night, the first time you got on the stage? Uh, friends, people that were day ones that also rap. You know, you, you kind of... It's like going to war with an audience. Like, can you capture their attention? And you kind of want to do it with people you're comfortable with at first. And then at some point, you learn to excel. You start breaking that that mold of being shy. Um, my first performances was probably when I was mad young in uh, the Neo-Filipino Associations. <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> they you know me, Filipinos. They had me singing old school stuff. <laughs> like what? Uh, twist again. How <laughs> <laughs> about my way? Yes, sera, sera. Uh, no, I never did Frank Sinatra. I didn't have that kind of voice. You don't have to. That's. Nah. I, I don't know. Do you see that in other culture that like it pushes your kid? Like, hey, hey perform for your tita. You know, you show the dance. Show the yeah, dance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, where the Jacksons came, where the Jackson Five came from. You know, where all the talents came from. They had to perform in front of their family. Yeah, I guess that's how con our connection with the culture, with the hip-hop culture. Yeah, definitely. So, when you started rapping and performing, did you envision yourself to be like, I don't know, like making it? Making it. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely um, imagine myself making it. But the way God opens the paths is totally different from your expectations. Mm. You know, I thought I would making it getting signed, something like that. But um, that takes a real strategy sometimes, you know? Or mm. it could be draw of luck, like a lucky draw. Like you did, you went viral. This generation could go viral. I guess starting with like Justin Bieber, right? Totally like mm. being superstars, like right off the internet without even going through like the stages, you know? But um, I did I did imagine myself making it, and it's it's just crazy. I I remember a rhyme that I said where I go, I made it without making it, and it's really all about inspiring others. You know, mm -hmm. like not everyone, uh, not everyone's timing is the same. Because I still believe like there's there's a door for me to open, where all the hip hop I've been made will become something like of a a telltale itself. You know, well, they'll go back and be like, oh, he was also a hip hop artist, too. Like that Bayani creator and still be creating music with a younger generation, you know, because I'm already like at the age of of legends, people that are legends. I'm at their age. So it's like, wow, like if I didn't blow up as an artist at that in this time, at least I kept working to this point where it could be like, look at his look at his prior works. And now look at what he's doing. Like he's producing younger artists on the Bayani soundtracks. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Bayani soundtrack, man, there that thing is fire, man. I was listening Thank to you, it. Awesome, man. Like Soul to Soul is probably my favorite. Oh yeah, those are the freestyles. Those are the freestyles that we did, and that's what I mean with like staying, staying in the loop with your talent. You know, like continuously putting out new stuff. Hip hop is an ever evolving culture. 
You know what I'm saying? Every five, ten years, styles change. You know? Exactly, man. Who makes the beats? Uh, there's multiple producers. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I'm really working with um, E. Jacobs, Nave is Dead. Uh, he's a kid from Colorado. I've been working with him pretty closely, like consistently at least. Um, and there's other producers that I work with other than, you know, E. Jacobs. But, um, yeah, so many producers, man. Like, over time, like, you know who produces what kind of sound, mm. you know, and who could, like, change your sound. You know, I was working with a kid named Alexander Roy. And these are, like, not, like, super known guys, you know. They're just as upcoming as myself. Mm. But, you know, like, sometimes you'll meet those ex exceptional talents. Oh, yeah, definitely. How much have your goals changed since you started and to now? Uh, it, cha it changed with like investment. Like I'm the only, I'm the main investor. So like after some time of like pushing hip hop for so long and saying, you know, like maybe I'm not tapping into, you know, any influential keys. Like, but with, with Bayani, it's, it, it seems like if I focus my attention on being a comic book creator, a producer of it, Um, I can meet major directors or people that might want to push um, a Filipino or Southeast Asian superhero, whether mm. it's independent. Because if you look at somebody like the creator of Kick-Ass, that went super viral and became a major film. It actually, it actually catapulted films, uh, shows like The Boys on Netflix. I mean, on Prime right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm not getting paid to promote it, but the point is indie creators. There's a lane for us. There's doors to open. Filipino anime called Trece dropped last year, you know, and Bujitan and Kajo Baldasimo are Filipinos that been in the comic book game since 2009, probably. They said they were pushing it for that long. Hmm. I was talking to Bujitan. I reached out to him just, you know, in congratulations on somebody else pushing the culture from the comic book perspective and getting on something like Netflix. That's major. Mm -hmm, definitely. So let's talk about Bayani, the realist. I love it. First of all, thank you for sending me the copy. I, I love it. I ate it up. I just like, <laughs> I need more, you know? <laughs> yeah, good, good, man. You know, but yeah. So tell us how did it start? What's the inspiration? Tell us. Uh, the Realist Bayani started in 2016. I started writing the script, uh, decided to create it. And I was inspired by, uh, several factors. There were several things that I was looking into, um, and things that were introduced to me. Uh, one being, uh, the Filipino, uh, politician Duterte. Hmm. Uh, I was definitely inspired by the... The uh, and I want to be you know specific with these things. I was inspired by the uh, controversy that mm. followed his his political um, agendas and his impact in the in the Filipino uh, country itself. In the Philippines, like it just seemed really like a Punisher vibe, you know. Mm. And I was like, damn, like the president is is really legalizing vigilantism to a degree you know mm -hmm. and i was just like does anyone else see this you know so just observing that as an american and being a comic book creator i was really inspired by that political climate i was like this has to be spoken about without being an attack on anybody but mm -hmm. being an an expression of it you know so i i'm neither for or you know, against, you know, that's, that's something that I reserve, you know what I'm saying? Just, just as a creator, mm. but you know, I was really inspired by what was going on because I didn't even know it was going on mm. until like, you know, media starts getting involved and pushing the truth out there. Yeah. It's very, uh, you know, as always, politics is always a complicated subject, mm. you know, especially the Western media trying to, you know, meddle or, report whatever like they say oh you know it's violent and trust me it, it was violent and i didn't agree with when he came out but they don't know man like now let's talk about what was the effect drugs is the drug still is the drug game still going on out there it's never gonna <laughs> change dude it's never gonna change 
It's never going to change. Like, you know, when um, Reagan says, war on drugs, they're still drugs. Facts. Actually, some of the drugs they were warring on got legalized. Uh, the character, the main character, who's the inspiration? Main character, uh, inspired by my cousin Marlon Ramos. Uh, I've, I've definitely, like, explained this to almost everybody, um, from the person I'm selling the book to, to the people interviewing me. Uh, he's definitely been the inspiration and his, him passing has been like something that I've kind of learned to channel through the book. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, I feel like just his name alone is super common in the Philippines. <laughs> Ramos is like, how many Ramoses are there? You I think know? Ramos is like the the second most normal or famous last name in the philippines yeah so i was like yo marlon ramos like why not and i always say ramos you know mm. what i'm saying but but ramos is like I, I like saying that better so i'm gonna start pronouncing it like that from this interview it's all good <laughs> yeah hey man you're welcome but why him though like why can't you be the main character so I, you know like in in a lot of stories and i try to emphasize this in this book the most uh that none of us are the main character in our stories. Mm. You know what I mean? None, we could act like it, right? But without a lot of other people that were main characters in their own stories, mm. they may not, that we would might not have advanced and became who we were. So like, I didn't put me because I am not, I'm not the realest Bayani. I mean, I'm, I'm the creator of it, but there's realer heroes than me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Way more realer heroes. I'm just a creator. But at the end of the day, Marlon, Marlon came from like the worst adversities, like coming from the Philippines, right? And just the peer groups, you know? You grow up, you know, in the Philippines, you come to America, boom, join a gang, mm. you know? Mm. He's in the Philippines, in California, he joins a gang or whatever. And that lifestyle in his own experience made me say, yo, gangs is, is a problem everywhere. Yeah. Let me bring it to the Philippines because he was part of Bahalana gang, BNG, which was a real Filipino gang, like real ass gang, you know? And I made that kind of like the saying in the in the comic book. Um, Cause he used to be on Facebook and he'll like post in codes, like mm. gang codes. And it was weird. Cause I, I used to see it and be like, what the hell? Like, but I realized later that these were symbolic to his gang and what he was in, mm -hmm. you know? So maybe people in the Philippines saw it and would respond to it. I don't know. Uh, I'm not really somebody that would decode that, but I realized that he would do it with that purpose. And it just really fascinated me that he came from that culture and then moved to New York with my family and turned his life around. So the element of his... The element of his ability to rise above like the negativity that he already learned, I felt like that was the perfect virtue for a superhero character to come from a bad beginning, to go through trials and, and improve yourself and become the best later, you know? And I, I, it's the best you could be, at least, the best version of you. So, you know, he came to New York and really cleaned up his act. And he met his demons again, you know, and had, had a drug overdose here in my home, um, right downstairs from this room that I'm interviewing in, where I found my cousin. So, you know, I speak about it now and almost like storytelling, you know, because he's part of the story, you know, and I'm part of his story. And sometimes, like, I realize the creative therapy of being this writer, you know, because I could justify parts of his life that he probably didn't get to, hmm. you know. So How old like, was he? He was 36 when he passed. Oh my 30, god, 30, he's so young. Yeah. I did some research on you. I heard that you're the one who found him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually mentioned that in an interview before that uh, I woke up late that day. I was not even, I wasn't employed. So I'm adding stuff I never said in other interviews. I was unemployed at the time and I, was, I used to wake up mad late. But the fucked up part about me waking up mad late is that who knows when I could have saved him. Because I woke up, I was like, yo, I'm mad hungry. Let me see if Marlon want to make some of that chicken with the soy sauce, the Marlon sauce. Yo, Marlon, 
go downstairs, and he's there. Hmm. He wasn't moving. I tried to wake him. Like, I was, I was trying to tap him. Like, yo, bro, cook some chicken, bro. And his whole body was wild, petrified. Like, it was, like, frozen. So I was like, the fuck? And he had his password, his, his passport on his chest. Like, almost like how mummies are buried. How they, like, he was holding the passport on his chest. Why? And that, super poetry, bro. It's like, it's like. The way I look at it is like his soul traveled to the Philippines because he didn't see his son. He was going through depression, dealing with living out here and not being with his son. Mm. So in the Philippines, he when I went there, we we flew his body out to uh, Aklan, and in, in um, the Visayan region. And from there, my cousin had told me like when he was we was like drinking like in the campo somewhere with like four guys on with one bottle. I was mad questionable about drinking the bottle. I was just like, this is what y'all doing. I was lit. So I was like, fuck it. Nobody has like anything else. So I'm drinking with them. And he's like, yo, Mark, uh, you said Marlon died with his passport on him? And I was like, yeah, yeah. When I got to his body and I had to bring it to the ground and, you know, try to try to resusc resuscitate him. Um, none of that shit worked. All that came out of his mouth was like bile. Um, you know, because I guess he might have choked uh, mm. in his sleep or whatever was was happening like in the moment because he was drinking pills. That was part of his overdose. It was insomnia pills. How old uh, were you then? Then I was about like 29, 30. Mm. Have you processed that experience and the emotion that you felt there? Uh... Totally, yeah, totally. Uh, it, it was basically something that, you know, I merged with the book. Like, mm -hmm. my dealing with that conflict and guilt and just like, damn, you know, I could have been there if I woke up earlier or who knows. Like I said, we don't know when he died in his sleep, you know? Mm -hmm. You can't do anything. No one, No one could have done anything. It's destiny, bro. Uh, it's just things that that God kind of like allows to happen to change people. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, Marlon. I mean, he's not really gone because he's in the book. He's the main dude. He's in the TCNY universe right now. You know what I mean? So walk us through the process of creating your own comic book. How do you start and... Do you think of the characters, what they look like first, and then write the story, or tell us? The process is, is it isn't explainable, bro, because everyone's, everyone's point of creating is different for a story. Some people start with the character designs. Mm. Some people start with the story. Yeah, but you, I'm talking about your oh, yeah, yeah, process. No, no. I, I'm just, uh, just explaining. But um, I just ex I just needed to I needed to like express that political climate. So I started off with uh, Victor Castro the third, mm. and I make the third because there's gonna be Castros before him. So like I want a story to tell later about the origins. So Victor Castro becomes this model of the Filipino Punisher. It's like Negan mixed with Kingpin. Negan from Walking Dead, bad dude attitude, you know what I'm saying? But he's a leader. He's, a, he's actually the mayor of Tundo, Manila. Mm -hmm. Of Manila, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, his base of operations, things that go on, is in Tundo. Because uh, while researching, um, you know, Duterte, I kind of went into um, what would be the most grittiest part of the Philippines and I came across Tundo Manila mm -hmm. where like garbage is in the rivers where like the homes look really signature of what it is to grow up in the toughest parts of the Philippines mm -hmm. yeah Tundo is famous so after, for that. I, after you create a setting I think that's where you can kind of mold your character your protagonist the one that's gonna convey the message you're trying to you to to uh send through this comic book through this story every story has to have a message there's no point in telling stories without trying to help the person that's listening apply it to themselves mm -hmm. 
Why do you choose Lapu-Lapu over the other heroes like, I don't know, national hero Jose Rizal? Lapu-Lapu is, it's crazy because he's a legend. There's no further history after Magellan. There's no whereabouts. There's no actual proof of his reign or his history after, which I chose Lapu-Lapu for that reason. There's mm. mystery behind him. He he's the first Bayani, so mm -hmm. I felt like why, first first recorded Bayani. Why is he like a greater warrior than his predecessors? Because he killed Magellan mm. on the beaches, and it was something that empowered Filipinos for generations because they mm -hmm. fought the Spanish forty years off of the coast. Mm. Definitely. Did you try to make the comic book as historically accurate as possible, or did you take some artistic license? Uh, all, all artistic license. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to fight with historians about what we know and what we don't. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't contend with them. Their, their knowledge, I don't want to look like an idiot. So artistic license is the route that I choose over everything, you know? But this is all for the culture, man. Like, I can't even lie. This is what Marlon would say. You know, and this is why that story has been written and is being produced to this point, to this point, fifth issue. Mm, that's awesome. So Filipinos, they have the tendency to be purist. What I mean by that is they will support you if they find out you're Filipino, but they f prefer your, when you're born there. Having said that, have you heard any criticism that how can this Amboy be writing about our lives he hasn't even lived there right right i don't really focus on the filipino struggle entirely hmm. i don't speak on it i i think what what i really chose as a safe ground for like criticism was just create the superhero you know what i'm saying if you want to go deeper into the upbringing of being from the philippines then let's put that in the hands of one of your greatest writers out there right now teaming up with Bayani to tell the story you know I really just give points of his character in the first issue like events and what the emotions of it would be I'll let a DFC novella writer create you know what I'm saying <laughs> but I create I hold that creative license I'm Stan Lee for the mm -hmm. Filipino street hero Bayani mm -hmm. that definitely oh I saw that there's there's one, two, and then the rebirth. Like the that's first a good question. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question because um, uh, that, that was something my project manager Savvy Designs always brings up. He's like, "Bro, why are you starting from number one again?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's the greatest part about a good team. Like you know, they make you question your actions. Mm. And I said this. I said, "Yo." I want to tell the story with more Filipino details. The first issue wasn't Filipino enough for me, bro. It really wasn't. Like, if I was a non-Filipino, I wouldn't have sensed it being what made it unique for a Filipino besides being mentioned being in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So when you go to Rebirth, that shit is a Filipino comic book, bro. The, from the opening. Mm -hmm. Mactan Island, 1521. Let's go. <laughs> Blood on the sand. Mm -hmm. I love it because you even include Enrique, the Magellan slave. Yes, and that and that was an edit. That was an edit where I was like, for the historians, you know, mm -hmm. let them Just, let them know that I know something and I yeah. know some things that should be included because there was no way that a Spanish dude would come to the Philippines and everybody like bow down they had to have some type of you know uh communication where they're like all right let's do this for this mm -hmm. so that's where enrique comes in you mm -hmm. know and it was just that and they they talked to him like yo da -da -da -da, and enrique's like this is gonna be a tough one guys <laughs> by the way for the ones that doesn't know enrique at least historically apparently magellan has a slave that came from the Malay region, which yeah. is, I don't know, it could be Philippines, Malaysia, whatever, Indonesia. And he brought him all over the world. And they say that he's the one who translated 
between the Spanish and the Filipinos. Yep. And uh, there are some people that says too that he's actually the first, first one that circumnavigated the world. Right, right. Because he survived. He didn't die with Magellan. Mm -hmm, exactly. Because he started in the Malay region and then he ended up in Europe and then he ended up in the Malay region again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're brown. Who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, that's I mean? a dope detail, though. Yeah, that's that's what that's what they say. Listen, I'm not a historian. I have some people that actually know shit, but shout out Enrique for being the best personal assistant. Mm -hmm. He was his PA, bro. <laughs> he was Magellan's PA. So, the character's design. Who thought of it? Did you think of it, or did is your art? You let your artist do his job or her job. Um. While while creating Bayani, I like I, I wanted to learn comic books, so I read something from um Brian Bendis. Uh Brian Bendis is one of the most like uh sh culture shifting comic book writers for Marvel. Hmm. Uh he actually created the Civil War, the Secret Invasion, you know. Um Bendis did a lot of dope things. So I wanted to read a book by uh, about comic book creating from him and he said like some of the best characters are archetypal so most of the characters that i have are archetypal but not to the point of this is an exact ripoff of batman or an exact ripoff of superman like because i as an american comic book reader i personally hate stuff like that hmm. you know what i'm saying like what's the point of telling a story for the powers we already know hmm. like i'm an x-men fan so every time there's an X-Men character with some type of power, I'm like, oh, that's fire. Like, I didn't know somebody could do that. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like somebody like Forge from X-Men, super interesting Native American character that everything technology-wise, he can understand it and improve it. So <laughs> imagine Forge working with Tony Starks, like in Starks Industries, like, him being employed by Starks with advanced technology to the next, 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 next level. Forge mm -hmm. could create anything, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anything. Definitely. Like, he's, he's fire. So, like, for me, I felt like when creating characters, I was like, let me give them characters they'll be familiar with, but also mix in characters that be like, ooh, like Bayani's power, like, that gets revealed in the last issue. Like, people are buying the book, not even seeing... They just see him with a golden Uzi here and there, shooting off like he's Deadpool. But later in the story, because the golden Uzis is iconic, bro. Mm. The two golden Uzis is super iconic. It's hip-hop, you know, like, inspired. Uh, Havoc from Mob Deep set in line where he's in a jacuzzi with a golden Uzi, something like that to that nature. And I just... And that, that shit imprinted in my mind where I'm like, I want my character with gold Uzis. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like Definitely. a Filipino Rambo mixed with Scarface. Like, that's crazy. Hell yeah. I love the flying boom boxes. Oh, yes. Cloud hop. Mm. I'm glad you like that because um, I was like, angels are cool, right? Like, I'm Catholic. I was born Catholic. But I was like, how can I express them next level? So, like, I mixed that with um, the, the book, The Prince. There was a book called The Prince written by a French author. It's a children's book. Oh, uh, it's, um, the, it's Le Petit Prince. Yeah, I can never say it. <laughs> You're interested. You, you got the French in you, bro. No, no, no. But uh, so he would fly with birds on a string to pl different planets, the kid in that, in that book. Mm. So I was like, yo, I want to give my narrator a way to travel anywhere without no one questioning how he got there. So I was like, and I, I love, I come from that era of the boombox. I used to walk around with a boombox, like if I was in a Spike Lee film, hmm. uh, because I used to rap. So I would go to parks and play beat tapes and whoever raps, you know they rap because they're going to come to the instrumental thing. <laughs> yo, yo, I said, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it used to be fun. So I was like, yo, imagine an angel, no wings on him but has boomboxes with wings and surfs on the turntable. Hmm. How wavy. Silver Surfer mixed with the Prince, mixed with, like, you know, angels. Hmm. So it's like a crazy amalgamation of everything that people would be familiar with, seen before, but it's brand new at the hmm. same time. I love it. I love it. Also, I love the names. My favorite is 
Jasmine, aka Mama Matai. Like, what's yeah. up, yo? Mama Matai, yeah. And it's crazy because, like, she's in pink armor. So you think she's like a powder puff, like, pink mm. armor, but she comes through. She really comes through in the story. Mm. By the way, for the ones that does not know, Mama Matai is like in Filipino or Tagalog is killer. For a female, female yeah. lady killer. I think she's my favorite character, actually. I like her, and she's multicultural. She's black, Puerto Rican, and Filipino. American yeah. at its finest. She reminded me of Green, uh, Jean Grey. Jean Grey, really? That's crazy. Just a little bit, yeah. I don't know why, but I just like, oh, this, guy, this girl is like, almost like Jean Grey, you know? Right, right. She's, she's the presidential guard. Mm -hmm. So she's like a bodyguard, next level power, on deck in a snap. Mm. So he's like the new Secret Service. Mm -hmm. you know? Speaking of characters, President Pacquiao, what's going on here? <laughs> Junior, Pacquiao Jr. <laughs> that kind of like, whoa, what happened here? <laughs> so one of the realest Bayanis, man. So Pacquiao, I was man inspired by Pacquiao, uh, being mm. Filipino. Uh, when I buried my my cousin in the Philippines, there was a Pacquiao fight that week. Everything, and it was free everywhere in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. People just gathered, watched the fight, and he was fighting, um, I think, Kodo. Mm -hmm. And he, he really broke him. Like, mm. he put a fight, but Kodo fought too. Kodo's a fighter. Like, if even if he's not the super, super champion, mm -hmm. he's a champion in my eyes just for fighting that mm. way and he fought like how i wish mayweather and pacquiao fought yeah you know? but uh but i chose pacquiao as president because i felt like um he has a pure heart um he's a superstar yes but i feel like people fear somebody as pure-hearted as him and and the thing is that he educates himself and i think that's mad important um and even no matter how late in the game it is like he's still going to fight for what he believes in. Um, so I believe at some point of this time, like maybe it would make sense. Maybe now is not the time. Maybe mm. he needs to, you know, go through his preliminaries in the political arena, you know? And that's just my, my, my perspective of what I think would make him a better contender for the political arena and surround mm. himself with the best people he could, you know? Uh, mm. In this story, I give him a Nico agent uh, Nico's like the CIA of the Philippines, mm -hmm. uh, national intelligence. Uh, damn, I forget something organization, uh, but that's their FBI CIA vibe. So I give him his, that's his number one right there. And he looked like Bruce Lee. He never wears a shirt and he just has a black trench coat. And uh, it's, it's fire. I, I, I like Pacquiao as a president there because um, his relationship to the new United States of America, which is called the new West in in uh in the com in the TCNY universe, mm. uh, I feel like his relation to a Puerto Rican president is perfect too, you know, because it's it's indigenous leaders, mm -hmm. leaders with indigenous um, origin, um, mm -hmm. in power, and mm -hmm. uh, I like I like shifting this dynamic and having the power to shift the dynamic of the representative leaderships, you know, so I just believe in him. That's all. Yeah, definitely. Hey, he's a national hero. That's no doubt. But he, the character looks like him. Can you be sued by that? Like the likeness? Um, I don't think he would sue me. I think he would invest, bro. I don't think he would come at me like that. Mm. Honestly. Because I'm waiting for him to see it. <laughs> Facts. Oh, it's going to happen. It's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when that day happens, I'm like, yo, bro, that's you. Nobody could be you, bro. Nobody. Facts. Nobody. And, and, that, and that's to promote his presidential campaign. What up, Pacquiao? What up? <laughs> but, so, obviously, all the characters, the book is copyrighted. How do you apply for copyright? Uh, it's just all behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm. You know, it's all, you can YouTube it. Um, but, uh, as, as far as copyrights and everything, I believe that, like, the most important thing is that you have an actual demand, you know, before mm. you do it. You know, there's no point in spending all that money to, like, have an unsuccessful product. You know, so make sure you test your product first. So I tested the product and it's it's building year by year, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think me solidifying myself more as a writer, my process, uh, my my business, like how I conduct my business behind the scenes mm -hmm. and, and just having the vigor to go out and sell it, sell it and represent it, 
you know? Yeah, man. You selling it, man. Speaking of selling, New York Comic Con. Yep. What's up, man? Yeah, they turned us down this year, but they debuted. Uh, we were able to debut in 2018. Uh, and I was debuted with all the Filipino creators by CNN Philippines. So um, that was that was like a major kind of like uh, move for myself because that solidified me as the creator of the Bayani character. Mm-hmm. Like solidified. Like even if somebody, even when they come out with a Marvel character named Agbayani, like to me, like it kind of like threw me off. But then I was like, but they'll never be me. They'll never tell my story. So at the end of the day, if you if they do have if they do have something called, you know, the same by the same name, uh I'm already solidified in Marvel Comic Con. The fans know the truth. And if I have to change my name because they stole it, steal it, bro. You can't steal my soul though. Yeah, you can't steal my stories, no way. Never. But I don't even fear anything of that nature. They turn you down. Uh, do you mind talking about that? Why did they turn you down? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's no why. They always give you a different kind of like reason. But Marvel and DC is back. They're mm. over the COVID. Uh, you know, they're over the COVID stuff, and uh, they're back. So all the indie creators, see you later. We got Marvel and DC now. Uh, yeah. So that's really what it is. There was no space, and the regulars that did bow out because they were scared of COVID. Also, uh, you know, they're back. Also. You know, so the more staple guys, the more connected guys, the more industry guys are back on the scene. So the indies, we get pushed to the side, but there's a lot of indie conventions too. So for me, it's just all a matter of like finishing the series and getting a pitch deck ready to start going to bigger companies to say, yo, live action or anime. Hells yeah, hells yeah. Come to Montreal. We got Comic-Con here. Yeah, yeah, facts. That's, that's, yo, Canada has a lot of Filipinos. Mm-hmm. There's a big Filipino community out there. I'm definitely down to to uh join join the uh conventions out there. Yeah, man, do your thing, man. You put Tagalog's words once in a while in the line in the book. Yeah. What's that planned? Will you be adding more words in the future? So like it was cool because like I was learning them at the same time. Uh, but I I put more basics than mm-hmm. like linguistical like you know lessons. Like I didn't feel like because I'm Filipino-American. So for me, I felt like that would be good for Filipino-Americans and non-Filipinos hmm. just to give them some Filipino vibes or learn something from the book. But I want to translate it in the Philippines because I don't even have that demographic yet. Hmm. So what, what I started doing now is I'm doing like small promotions for people from the Philippines that are questioning how to get the book. And I'm letting them know right now we're sending you free digitals you know, via email, but when it comes time, we're going to be out there. Comiket October is really what I'm shooting for. Mm. Since Comic-Con turned me down, I'm aiming for Comiket in uh in the Philippines. Nice, man. It occurs I'm around the same time. I'm sure you'll crush it. The lines, I find them a little bit westernized. Mm-hmm. Like, do you worry that, you know, some Filipinos, like, we don't speak this way. Yeah, no, there's mad different languages out there. I'm not even going to debate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not just the language, the way they speak. Oh, the way they speak. Like, yeah. as far as... Like, sometimes there'll be a character, they'll say, oh, that's dope. Yeah, yeah, Filipinos, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Filipinos won't say that. I'm not even worried about it. Mm. Because they in the Philippines, they're, they're kind of, like, in, influenced by American culture. Mm-hmm. So it's not about how they talk. It's more about like, this is written by a Filipino American. So expect it to be written like an American. Like, I'm not trying to front like I'm a super Filipino because I'm not. <laughs> I'm super not Filipino. I'm Filipino American. So mm-hmm. you're going to get it, you know, that way. You're like, you're going to get a cheeseburger from me made an American way. Like, I'm back <laughs> cow and chopping him up and, you know, doing all the extra shit. Definitely. How do you make sure that your characters are authentic, that no one in the world has the same character or at least like there's likeness? Uh, so it's impossible to not have other people steal your designs. Mm. Impossible. Like as soon as I'm on the scene, it's a wrap. Somebody's taking something from that, like straight up. Even the storytelling style. Even the fact that, you know, there's Filipino characters. It'll be a white guy creating a Filipino character. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. 
and at some point as a as even as a rapper you'd be like yo that guy bit my line like <laughs> my bars and it's just like yo bro at some point it's like who cares just keep creating mm. so no matter what they like steal like i said before you can't keep creating like me you're gonna keep stealing my stuff and it's just gonna be a point of bro seriously <laughs> i'll see you at comic con buddy <laughs> Definitely. I love the logos too of the character. Uh which like which one particularly stands out? The, the I think it's M and M and M like on, on top the of M and M. Yeah, it used to be Mark yeah. Marvel. That was mm. my that was my Mark Marvel logo. Okay. But, um yes, but that's when Marlon died. He died when I was rapping as Mark Marvel. Mm. Yeah, so and, and the that that was dope too because the designer of that logo uh, he goes he goes by the name in the cut and in the cut gave it to me off the arm off the arm means free he was mm -hmm. and, and so, yo my bad in the cut but you know you're the bro bro you know what i'm saying but yeah he's he designs logos but for me and him we had a different relationship he's like yo just just throw down your maybe you use it in the future like you know and in the future it became the logo of bayani so you know when Bayani becomes super famous, you know, he got to be there for the screening. I got to be like, yo, he actually made the Superman logo too. <laughs> <laughs> That's nah, awesome. But, but shout out in the cut. You know what I'm saying? He already knows the tribe. Hells yeah, hells yeah. There are other pillar characters in Marvel and DC. How do you feel about that? I'm excited because that just means there's a job for me. Hmm. I, at first, I was like, oh, I was the first one to make a Filipino street. And then it was funny because I debuted 2018, right, with Bayani. 2019, mm. wave drops. And, like, like, I've learned to, like, be excited about things versus mm. feeling competitive. Like, it's a communal effort. That creator is a Filipino guy, the, the, the artist. Um, damn, why is his name slipping my mind now? Um Damn, his name slipped my mind for some reason. I don't know if you know who he is. But nah. he's a crazy fire artist. Um, apologies for forgetting the name. Hmm. But um, when they created Wave, I was seeing how they were marketing it. And uh, some things like that, like cultural characters, it seems kind of like they're just doing it because they want new responses because mm -hmm. comic books, their regular characters aren't selling. So they have to create something that will sell for the culture. So for me, I don't want to say it's a culture vulture kind of wave, but like, no pun intended. But I believe that, you know, she could become something um, more major in the future. With, with uh, awesome writers, I feel like that should be Filipino, hmm. whether they're Filipino-American or adult Filipino writer, comic writer from the Philippines. I feel like she should be told from a Filipino perspective and given her own book. She was mm -hmm. put as like a four page story in the back of other Asian characters books. And I was just like, corny bro. Like put Ned's <laughs> Lola, like on a flight meeting wave. And we, that's going to become a movie in itself, bro. Definitely. Definitely. Ned's Lola from Spider-Man was the best, bro. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, it's not much, but it's getting there. Ned's Lola should be a character. Yeah, hell yeah, man. There's, All Lolas are characters, you know? There's a dude named Kinjamin Art. I don't know if you've looked him up. Look him up on Instagram. He does covers for Ned's Lola. I'm trying to do a cover with him for like a a, a Bayani um, sto short story or something in mm. the back of uh, this new book that I'm making called TCNY Anthology. Mm -hmm. Um and it's it's sh a lot of short stories put together because I want to tell more stories past Bayani honestly. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, definitely. So if it ever comes down to it, and I'm pitching Bayani to Marvel, I'm gonna be like, all right, look, if you don't want to buy Bayani, let me write for Wave. Seriously, please. <laughs> get it, man. Get it, bro. This has been a fun conversation and very enjoyable. But I think we're there. Fact. But before we close out. You've done so much, and there are more things to do, but what is the thing you're proudest of so far, and why? Um, I think I think this is really what it is, man. Uh, the same reason me and you started with this conversation, uh, creating the Bionic comic book series, 
has really allowed me to learn more about myself, my culture, you know, um, plus tapping in with empowering other Filipinos. Um, and I think that's not just my only key for Filipinos, but for other people to champion their culture and who they are and learn where they come from. That's probably the best gift I could give, you know, while I'm alive. Hmm. Wise word from a wise man. Again, Mark, maraming maraming salamat po for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you for giving me the time, Aaron. And uh, next time I'm going to get my router and put it into the Bayani room. <laughs> yes, man. Hells, yeah. All right. Have a good evening. All right. Bahala na, man. Bye. Thank you again, Mark, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.